driving over to Neil Casey's house. Neil and I went out to get Thai food years ago. He had a slight cold and wanted to sweat it out. So he asked our waitress for the hottest meal possible. She looked at him like he was crazy, but walked back. I noticed the couple next to us was alarmed at Neil's order. And when the waitress took their order, I would later overhear that they're on a first date and that his date picked the place. This guy asked for the most mild meal possible. He said he didn't handle spicy too well. So Neil's order comes out of the kitchen. He starts eating it. He's sweating his fucking ass off. I'm doing most of the talking, and I ask if he's all right a few times, but he gets exactly what he wants. He's crying. He's totally red. Then the couple gets their food at the table next to us. This guy takes a bite of his mild order. He spits it out. Everybody looks over. They have to throw some money on the table, leave apologizing. It was too hot for the guy. I bring it up because I think it exemplifies Neil's commitment to the choices he makes. And this has served him well as an actor. He plays pencil-pushing bureaucrats, weirdo neighbors, conspiracy mongers, and other fringe characters better than anyone. For today's show, he wanted to watch a 70s conspiracy thriller, and I think I found one that'll be right up his alley. I'll be right back with Neil. That's how you do a twist ending yeah, or talk, a surprise ending. Talk about a shocker. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I, I don't know how I feel about them revealing that there's a twist ending in the trailer. We, after we watched, uh, so we're talking about the second lady from 1977, um, which I hadn't seen before. And I, I, you can find a trailer of it on YouTube. That's all that's there. And it's, I mean, trailers were a different art form at the time. You yeah. really own, they weren't for posterity. They really were to just be shown at a movie theater. And it's that announcer guy when he's like, with a shocking turn at the end. Yeah. That you will be talking about for weeks. Uh-huh. Yeah, it will rattle you. <laughs> it will shake you to your core. For weeks. <laughs> for weeks. <laughs> they say for weeks twice in the trailer. <laughs> Which is like. I guess the right balance, like just a couple of days doesn't seem like enough. And like for the rest of your life seems like too much. And in the late seventies, you're talking about how many movies are people seeing per month yeah. too? I mean, that's date the night. Co- the, 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 the water cooler conversation lasted a little bit longer. Yeah. Smoking too. Cause they were still smoking. Yeah. You're still, free. it wasn't water cooler. Yeah, it was the smoke break conversation. <laughs> yeah, smoke break conversation. Yeah. A lot of cigarettes in this. Cigarettes and mirrors. Yeah. A lot of mirrors, a lot of floral prints. Yeah. Everybody's got orange and green floral, like chairs and yeah. wallpaper. Smoking basically did in our villain, I guess you could say, Seth Cosmatos, who plays the the vice president in like after like the fake vice president, I yeah. guess. He smoked three packs a day. I didn't realize how much like the X-Files owed to this because he's even shot the same way a lot where it's like nose down. You remember the smoking man on oh, X-Files? Yeah. It's like... They were just doing this. Well, he's he's got a run in a couple scenes in this, and you, I was like, this dude is not a runner. Where <laughs> it's like you, if you watch Dennis Weaver and Duel, yeah, like if you have like because I used to run track, 
And I remember the first time I saw Duel, I was like, oh, shit, that guy can run. Yeah. And, and sure enough, I looked it up, and he was like a legit athlete. And you could tell from how fast the car was moving that the camera was clearly on that they expected him to run faster. Yeah. Like they, you, you could see the, the car slow down a little bit and then start up as he's not So yeah, you're, and you're talking about Seth Cosmatos, who like cannot run. Yeah. He looks like he takes two steps and is just winded, fucked up. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's this shot where this car is, like Neil was saying, this car is dragging him. And they got to <laughs> fucking tap on the brakes. Yeah. Because yeah. they probably rehearsed it and they didn't shoot the rehearsal because it's all shot on film. Yeah. So they didn't shoot well, the rehearsal. Well, because that's like one of the only things they got in D.C. They wisely, like, because this movie's so low budget. It's a Washington political conspiracy theory. Yeah. A la the parallax view or three days of the condor or fuck. Yeah. I'll even throw in the president's men. Yeah. It's that famous intersection. They used to use it all the time on the West wing and stuff too, yeah. where you can see the Washington monument and the Capitol yeah. and part of the mall. And it's coming up past that traffic light. And he, yeah, they clearly expected him to keep up and are, and like crest the little hill. It is like the invisible man socked him in the gut. I mean, the rest of it wisely is at the uh, the vice president's retreat yeah. in Southern California. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. I thought at the beginning, I was like, is this Camp David? But there's palm trees. Yeah. yeah. They don't go into his political background, yeah. but I'll do some work for the movie. Yeah. Maybe he was like the senator of California. Sure. Or like a Reagan. I mean, it would have been pre-Reagan. But So let's talk about the, the plot a little bit. It's one of the many, the post-Watergate era paranoid conspiracy theory movies about government with kind of a feminist twist right i mean i think that's the big so most of these movies either follow a reporter or some sort of government agent usually a, a reporter but in the case of three days of the condor Robert Redford works for some CIA watchdog that yeah. like reads books. Yeah. And in the Ground Star conspiracy, George Papard, who's kind of like this badass secret f- fascist secret policeman, <laughs> he's our hero of yeah. that movie. Yeah. So in yeah, it, the the kind of original move of this movie is you do follow a woman, the second the the titular second lady. Yeah. And we get we hear that she had a career at some point. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not just the secretary anymore, right? But that she doesn't have a kid. Yeah. Um. And then she's got that. I mean, this is where I picked up on the mirror thing because she she says early in the movie, oh, you know, I, I've got to visit my niece. And then apparently that's her niece later at the, the carnival where they do the house the the fun house and stuff. Okay. Because it's like it's like who is this kid, right? Because it's not her I daughter. I missed the niece line, so like I just was like who the fuck is this kid? <laughs> yeah, I assumed yeah. that like maybe it was their kid. The mirrors are a little like on the nose cuz there's so much dual imagery people. I mean face off owes a lot to this. Yeah. Um it was all to get her into that house of mirrors and the kid's not there. So yeah. she's just she's in the there mirror. on her own of like yeah, you run around, get a pretzel or some shit. I'm going to check out the the <laughs> House, of, house mirrors. of mirrors. You know how yeah. parents are at amusement parks. <laughs> Keep yourself occupied. I'm going to do the fun ride. Yeah, <laughs> by yourself. Yeah, and what a '70s carnival too. I mean, the guys on the stilts and all that. I mean, the B-roll. They leaned on the that for so much B-roll. It's a fun place to be paranoid because, yeah. like, are these people creeps? Because it's full of carnies. Yeah, there's a lot of good B-roll in this movie. I would say the overlap of. Kidnappers, abductors, and carnival workers is high. 
<laughs> yeah, especially in 1977. Yeah. I mean, that's Hitchhiker, Serial Killer Central. So cool intro to the villain. The villain is this actor, Seth Cosmatos. And he, and this is sort of our action opening. Looks like a legitimate businessman in a boardroom setting. And then his secretary like buzzes in a new client. And it's a shady character named Brooks Witten, who will later learn goes by the name Hagen. Which was the books, right? The book this is based on? Yes. yes. It's called Hagen, and it more surrounds him, and he's like a fixer. Right. And you follow the bad guy. It's 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 a little uh, Highsmith-esque. It's yeah. um, where you're following this Washington fixer who works for a, like a shady organization. And if you read the books, you little you learn a little bit more about the shady organization and shit. And but I like that old Hollywood thing. Like people weren't so precious about their universes and their their canon. No. Is it be like we got the rights to the book? You got to change one. it. Yeah. You, you got to make a movie and change it. Now, the book was a failure and this movie is almost never seen. So, like, maybe they should have done more changes to both. Yeah. But the attempt. The attempt. And, like, I got to praise director Michael Pellier for taking chances. This is he's biting off a lot for not a lot. I, I, some of it looks like shit. When they crash the fucking bus and it's like, it looks like fucking matchbox cars. Yeah. We haven't done, like on this podcast, I haven't really talked. There haven't been that many miniatures right. in movies. And this is one of the first, I mean, it's like Godzilla shit. Well, I mean, yeah. What's the point of a matte painting if it's clearly leaned on a table? So Michael Pellier, I guess people, he didn't do much. This kind of killed them because... I think even though it was low budget, it was still a budget, and it didn't do as well as people hoped. He did Dune Buggy Killers, and it was about a a cop who goes undercover with a Manson-like cult who, like, Manson used to soup up those Volkswagens into Dune Buggies. Right. right. So clearly it's jumping off that. It was a few years before The Second Lady. This was his encore. The, the, is that the one where the, the woman goes, there's a body in the dunes? Yes. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> That's one of those infinitely quotable ones where I'd like heard the quote before I even knew what the movie was. It makes the rounds on YouTube every <laughs> yeah. once in a while. Yeah. Um, like she's up there on the hill like looking. She's down. got like bird watcher gear on and shit. Comical kind of like yeah. beachwear. The real Margot Kidder look too. Like the, the that that curly hair kind of, you know. Mousy, mousy brunette, and that it's everybody kind liked. of like ripping off Jaws of like <laughs> yeah. the body they find on the beach in Jaws, but there is no like. Be it's just like this girl was murdered. <laughs> There's not the twist that it's like an animal or anything, right? It's like it's just, no, yeah. And then this cop has to under like go undercover as this cult member, right? With the hippie hair and the yes, all the, yeah, yeah. And he's like not at all. Like he's like can't, he's disgusted with himself. <laughs> And he keeps referring, he's not good yeah. at being under, like, I, I feel like he learned some lessons from that into, because, so Hagen goes into the office of this guy, hey, I know your real name is Lester Hawkins, and he's like, what are you talking about? And he drops a folder on this guy's desk, and he's like, you're a, you're a, you're a phony, you're a fraud, all I have to do is, like, say two things. I know you were a failed actor, and he reads his credits, which is a fun movie thing. Yeah, yeah. Kind of the clunky exposition of here's your background. You bail, you bombed out of 
actor production studios, like all the fucking lazy. I love any of the old things where they actually throw a file folder and there's like eight by 12 photographs in it. And the photo slips out of the manila folder enough where you can like kind of see this guy's probably real headshot. Yeah, yeah. And production stills. Like the, you imagine that the the PI went and, well, not the PI, but you imagine that the guy goes and and he's like gone and gotten production stills from like MGM and had them blown up. Noir photo print style, you know? Yeah, yeah. He had to, like, go to the go to the lot. <laughs> you got to go to the lot. You got to get them blown up enough so that all the, like, watermarks and shit are, are out of the frame. The And this guy, um, Cosmatos, as we said, smokes three packs a day. So he's like, what do you want, money? And he's like, no. Which, by the way, coincidentally, the vice president who he poses as also sounds like he smokes three packs a day. Right. So he's like, no, I don't want money. I'm here to offer you the part of a lifetime. And then, like, we go into, like, like our opening credits and shit. But they'd have to, right? If the vice president had that voice, they'd need to find somebody else who had that voice. That makes they sense. never explain yes. it. They never explain, like, why they, like, hunted this guy, at, yeah. like, out. The opening credits, like... There's not a lot of action in that office scene I just described. Yeah. So there's just a shit ton of explosions as they do the opening credits as though, like, buckle up. But it's not really that kind of movie. No, not at all. Yeah, they want you to think that, like, yeah, there's a car bomb sitting around every corner, but there's just not. Right? The guy, That one guy's brakes get cut. Like uh, Capricorn 1, there's a great break cut scene where yeah. like a guy loses control yeah. and crashes into a bus, into the which bus is exit. like, yeah. which is the bus we were referring to yeah. before. But even that, even just like you were saying before, even the way that's cut, it's like him taking his hands off the steering wheel and crossing them over his face. Too many reaction shots from the people on the bus, like everybody doing a full head turn. And then the bystander, right? The, the guy by the newspaper stand, the way it's edited makes you think he gave up trying to save himself way too early. Like, he, yeah. he was like, I'm done for. I'm going to let go of the steering wheel, cover yeah. my face. Six like, seconds, six, yeah, eight seconds so later. so much time to, like, turn safely crash into something and, yeah. like, and like, stop himself. Side impact. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was. Slow yourself down. Yeah. Like, it, it seems like if you're in a really busy situation, the, like, Capricorn 1, you kind of buy it as though his car is, like, speeding up and, yeah. like, he's going through all these intersections and shit. This one, it seemed like. Just drag on that brick wall a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Anything but plow it of the side of the school bus. Clearly, they could only shoot at four in the fucking morning or what, like sunrise. Yeah, and that like, was not DC. I, no. I don't know where that one no, was, but that it seems like, like San Francisco fucking, or something. Yeah. I mean, it, but it can't be, right? No. It was yeah. like fucking some outskirt, like some dusty Northern California town, probably. Oh, yeah. The hill. I mean, there's a hill, but yeah, other than that. Oh, speaking of uh, bombs, I was. Uh, I did want to get your opinion on the writer is Lou Cole, and he also wrote the movie Landing Gear, which was about a hijacked plane where they figure out that there's bombs on the landing gear. So if they they lower the landing gear, the plane is going to explode. Yeah. Which also seems like you could probably make some alternative landing and be fine. And how complicated that would be to have the bomb get armed when the landing gear goes up yeah. and not go off then while it's still on the ground. And then 
only engineering com- marvel. Yeah, I mean it's incredible. Fair, yeah, yeah. The amount of time they must have spent. Yeah, seems like like figuring out how to arm that stuff. The R and D of because people in re- like pilots in real cockpits, like knowing for sure whether your landing gear is up or down. Yeah, there's like moldable redundant systems for that. You know, because nobody wants to make a now, gear up. So, so just for people listening, Neil does fly a plane. He, he he has his pilot's license. I do. I fly. I I I I'm just a private pilot. I do have an instrument rating, um, but I only fly small single engine brag. Planes. Yeah, big brag. <laughs> well, it's it, you know, it's. Uh, Did you read the the Washington Post article about people being confident about landing an airplane? Oh, that's funny. Is it like a statistical breakdown of how many people think they could do it in a pinch? Yes. So I wrote down the term is called the Dunning Kruger effect. Yes. Dumb people tend to overestimate their own competence at anything. The Washington Post calls it the clinical name for this type of baseless bravado is the Dunning-Kruger effect. <laughs> baseless bravado. <laughs> yeah. That's what I want to call like a fucking TV series. But it sounds like the reporter got that wrong. Like it's not base, it's not just baseless bravado. It's it's not under it's like the more the better you get at something, the more humble you are about it. It's like the old saying of like it takes talent to recognize genius a little bit. Yeah. Where it's like if you have no concept of anything, then you assume it's like everything with which to you is just a big conceptual mush because mm. you're not smart. But anytime you dabble in anything, you realize how much there is to learn. Yeah. Like I was never any good at music in any capacity. I thought I might be, and yeah. then you realize what a what a ladder that is to climb. And yeah. like even having any basic concept of of how things work or what it what it takes to actually be good at anything makes you realize okay i'm gonna be permanently an amateur yeah yeah. there's infinite chords to learn on the guitar and i am old and don't have the fucking muscle memory for that i didn't start this with a passion when i was 10 years old i'll never get there there are all those sports uh where you got to throw your kid i mean do you ever think about doing this of like hey why don't you do some high jump scheme (laughs) to kill your kids like fear set like like diving and high jump skiing they're those those sports with natural fear right that like you only have a certain window to which like i don't know if i want that or not but like you can only do it for a certain according to some bullshit i read yeah but to go back to your point i do take my son flying in my plane and he's acclimated to it now there's a time where he didn't like it because he would get a little airsick and Mm -hmm. just who likes being in a place that you yeah. most recently remember puking in? Certainly not me. I've taken him flying on that, and then it really does make me laugh when he's, like, scared of a ride. Like, we'll go to Disneyland, and he's, like, scared of, like, Thunder Mountain Railroad. I'm like, dude, we were just in a small single-engine yeah. aircraft that I landed. <laughs> this is a billion-dollar company on the hook for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we just, yeah, we're, Daddy we're, put this plane yeah. down. You know what yeah. the backup is? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> No, <laughs> yeah, we're, this is not some fly by the night amusement park. We're in like Universal Studios. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think you have to be you have to be like ginger about that with a kid. Like you've got to like like I did. I, I push him on the rides a little bit. Like he doesn't like roller coasters because he's gonna puke. But like I did, I took him on like the Indiana Jones ride at Disneyland, which yeah. is not a roller coaster. But like you know, it's got a couple dips. Yeah, I got a couple dips and and pyro and all that stuff. Yeah. You know, you want to ease them into something resembling confidence. My, uh, before we totally move away from it, a friend of mine, she's an ER doctor and she never had a fear of flying until she got her medical degree. Oh, really? And then she was like, I don't know jack shit. I don't know how the fuck I, I got my degree. Yeah. Like there's a million things I don't know. And now, now I'm a professional 
who I actually have people's lives in my, I mean, she's a fucking ER doctor. Like, yeah. She's supposed to know like everything. And no matter how hard you try, and she was a good student and everything, you yeah. just, you're just huge fucking dark spots in your brain where you don't know things. Yeah. And she's like, there's no way that pilot knows everything. There's no way all these prof- these quote unquote professionals who I have like my life in their hands they for everything. Do. They do. It's hard to it's hard to be a bad pilot and get anywhere. And and especially get to the majors, especially get to like an airline. There was some good stuff in this article by the pilots talking about like you have a zero percent chance of landing a plane if you don't know. If you don't know anything about it, yeah. I mean <laughs> there's also now it's like the the old seventies fantasy of airplane or airport 77 let's say to make it more yeah. dramatic less com- comical the idea of going into the cockpit like now after 9-11 it's like you can't even get in the cockpit unless you got like a fucking batman blowtorch or and then shit. after that european guy who plowed it into the alps or whatever it was they don't even even in the u.s airlines they don't let one pilot in the cockpit by themselves oh yeah anymore that guy either. who lost his shit yeah, yeah and that wasn't even that. an american guy like that was a european pilot who took he like after a breakup killed 100 people on the plane i mean it's awful but he but then in the u.s they updated that uh they updated that rule so that um you know when the pilot one pilot goes to the bathroom the other flight attendant will stand in the cockpit with the other pilot and with, he's got to watch him on video like using the bathroom and stuff <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on this one, it was funny to me that the vice president flew essentially coach. Yeah. Because it was like the classic 70s, like, airport interior set that I guess was on the Universal lot. It's in one of them. It's on one of those. Now it's destroyed. It's yeah. like you can walk by it when you go through the Universal theme park. Oh, it's the plane crash. It's, it's that the same plane style, crash. Yeah, right? That TWA looking. Yeah, it's that yeah. shit with, like, upgrade. Like, this has the 70s floral seats, as I mentioned. Yep. A shit ton of room. He yeah. buys this ticket on the fucking plane. So... We meet the second lady. Her husband's really busy and more loving. Owes a little bit, like, I think Face Off owes some, something to this. Mm-hmm. They, it's similar problems to Face Off because she, like, has sex with this guy and everything, and she kind of knows something's up. So basically what happens is this shady organization gives this guy plastic surgery and shit and makes him look like the vice president and uh, inserts him in the White House. And now only the second lady is suspicious and even she's takes her so long to get suspicious like yeah. when you really take a step back it's like won't they smell different Does it, the stuff we yeah. know now about like even like fucking bacteria in your biome yeah. and shit it's like everybody smells different Absolutely. like did they like go to the d de- i like thinking about them being so obsessed with making them match that they like made his fucking cock match and stuff, yeah. figured out, like, shaved the same body hair patterns <laughs> yeah. in him and stuff. And moles and birthmarks and all yeah. that stuff. I mean, yeah, like, where do you even... But they kind of gloss over all that. And then why would he be so aggressive with her? That's the thing that got me, is that, like, if you had done all this studying mm-hmm. on they her... They act like he's, like, a master actor, but, like, a little too crazy. And the way he, like, he comes to her and he's sort of like, don't you do enough decorating? Like, wouldn't he just he let her go? Yeah. Wouldn't you, like, why would you then be aggressively challenging your purported spouse when you're the imposter? Like, wouldn't you just leave well enough alone? Yes. And unless he just was doing too much work as an actor where he's like, well, the vice president was probably had problems with their decoration. Yeah. Like, he talked himself into a logic trap. Yeah. She's like, this place is so drafty. The Naval Observatory. And I guess, like, the whole time they lived there, she had, like, 
is that like I didn't even know that was something. Like everybody knows the first lady gets to like redo the decor in the White House, but I guess the second lady gets to have some say over the Naval <laughs> Observatory. <laughs> so the she does a pretty good job. This is Edie Brady, our star. Um, she plays second lady Susan Morrison. She didn't do a lot of a lot of stuff as many uh, of the crew of Second Lady. A few people pop up here and there. She was in a early '80s comedy called Squash Court. Oh my god! Yeah, she's yeah, she's yeah, she's one of the. It's it's a raunchy kind of like it, it's it's at the the height of the squash craze. Yeah. Which now, looking back, have you been to an old gym where, like, it, all these places are trying to retrofit their squash courts? Yeah, the YMCA like in Glendale shit. has, like, six of them. <laughs> the YMCA in Glendale in the basement has, like, six squash courts. As a country, we went all in on squash. We, like, did for squash what we should have done with solar power. And now it's pickleball, right? Now pickleball's pickleball, still in the same slot pickleball, as squash? pickleball wisely, I mean, the drama with pickleball, and this will, I'm sure, be the the plot point to some like pickleball movie is coming tennis players hate pickleball players because they use the tennis courts right they're taking up the tennis courts and you can put more pickleball courts in a tennis court because it's like smaller and shit and yet yeah i it's not like i saw tennis courts bursting at the seams over the past 20 years yes it's like what does it fucking matter so it's setting up for a good snobs versus different snobs yeah yeah <laughs> for tennis players versus older less athletic <laughs> the people pickleball yeah. Yeah. The elite versus the people yes. you can tell about you can tell a lot about somebody by where they come down on the tennis players claim on the public tennis courts versus the pickleball players who just want to get out and move around yeah that should be um a 2024 election <laughs> question <laughs> The yeah, tennis or pickleball. The uh, she, oh, she had a pretty good episode of Any Port in a Storm, a one-season show in the late 70s about uh, a guy who sells all his belongings and buys a boat, and then he goes from port to port. Uh, oh, like, like, a, like a Hulk sort of format? Yeah, it's, okay. it's kind of like traveling guy. Oh, and they would use the same shot of him. Uh, yes, going no off matter, into the yes, sunset at yes, the end of yes. every episode. Uh-huh. Right? No matter where he'd been. He, at the end of every episode, he changes into the same sweater <laughs> yeah. and fucking yeah. get, gets gets on his boat yeah. and fucking go in the and the water is always the exact same. Yeah. It's the Pacific Ocean, even if he just been <laughs> Yeah, like, even if he was like he's on, on the other the, side of the yeah, bomb on the, and it's like yes. he's yeah. in the Gulf of Mexico like the whole episode. They gotta bring that format back yeah. of just like guy who goes into town and like helps somebody uh stop a dog fighting ring or whatever. Yeah. And then fucks off. That's the other <laughs> thing too, is like you come in and what's the point of doing that level of kindness if you're not gonna hang around like isn't part of the point of doing favors for strangers so that you put down roots and establish yourself somewhere? Yeah, I, I mean, it did set us all up. I, I think this is part of the problem with TV is the people of our generation who were raised on it, probably so from like the 50s until the early 2000s, everybody watched so much TV. So for 50 years, we got you can solve a problem in like a day and then yeah. you move on to the fucking next thing yeah. instead of, you know what? I'm going to make this call. I'm going to stop homelessness for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, you know what? I'll just go in here, make sure this bar stops getting extorted <laughs> yeah. and leave. And no new bad guy will fill the void once I stop yeah. these small time hoodlums. Yep. Yep. I mean, Coney 2010, right? 
<laughs> or 2023. Still, it's still the it's still my number one cause. Yeah, I'm glad you stuck with it. I'm still on Coney. Getting Coney out. <laughs> I mean, you can't talk to me for 10 minutes without me asking about your take on Coney. What's the latest with him? He ended up admitting guilt. Was that what happened? He admitted guilt. He did his time. And then I think he just did Masked Singer. Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah. I think he did. So, of course, they want this guy to be vice president, to become president. Yeah. And they make some bullshit stuff of, like, a lot of low-budget movies or even, like, canon films would often use this technique of using the press and media stories to frame what the narrative is. Right. So the president, President Kenmore, is about to sign this legislation regulating the industry, the energy industry. Yeah, and it's a whole it's tied into all that, right? It's like OPEC and then it's an Iranian thing, right? Cuz it's like yeah. the Persians, you know. But it would be Saudi, but yeah, yeah. So we're we're in the era of people essentially starting to realize the problems that would plague us for our entire lifetime yeah. of like, oh, okay, the oil companies yeah. have a, way more power than we realize. Oops, another consequence of the First World War. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, still uh, uh, still giving us problems. It's similar. Um, Three Days of the Condor also has, like, the, the, the MacGuffin ends up being yeah. oil. Yeah. I, I My problem with conspiracy theories, particularly cinematic ones, too organized – too many people involved. But I, I agree with Hunter S. Thompson when he said, like, uh, journalism in America died with the Kennedy assassination. And then even Watergate, too. is like you look back and, like, Deep Throat was an assistant director of the FBI and, like, all this stuff. is like, you know, it, the, a lot of the, the general feeling that something's awry and that most of what you're hearing about as the sort of conclusive narrative on it is um, doubtful at best, I think, is a feeling that, Strangely, we have been going through as a country for over fifty years now. Yeah, so that's pretty wild. I don't have an answer for it. I certainly don't have a don't have a conclusive explanation for anything. But the general sense of like, what the fuck was this? So our black hat in this is this guy Hagen, who's like the whisperer, mm -hmm. and and he's still kind of in touch with the vice president. He's in the background when they fucking blow up Air Force One, which is another miniature never see the the real interior of right like it's almost no. just an office that we imagine's on the plane this is it's like got like plane windows shit yeah. that they like they they stick a yeah. fucking uh cherry bomb in and i think they took i think they had a standing like almost not quite oval office but like presidential office set and they just built a practical wall that had plane windows in it and rolled it in there because nothing about that desk or anything in that scene nothing about that scene indicates to me that they're on an airplane uh other than the the little pl airplane windows Hagen uh, died soon after this. He um, he was on a short-lived TV show where – does his voice sound familiar to you? Yeah, I guess so. I so mean, here, let me tell you. Yeah. He was uh, – the show Delta Cycle, he was the voice of the motorcycle. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's like one of those things that drives – it was driving me fucking crazy yeah. the whole time we were watching it. Delta Acceleration. <laughs> Yeah, that's no. What what was it? it? Was accelerate delta? Yeah, for some reason the the motorcycle did have like a little country twang to it. <laughs> it was tough. Yeah, I don't have it. No, it's close. You're close. Yeah, accelerate delta. Um, he really Sla carried that show. Slam the brakes. 
He carried the fuck out of Delta Cycle, and his co-star was like a real fucking chump. So, and it was just the two of them in almost every episode. And that was another one where he was going to different places almost every episode, but on the same roads, like on the same B-roll of like him going around a cliff face or like on the PCH or something. Now, in comparison to any port in a storm or uh, any port, what, what the fuck was the name of that show? Any port in a storm. Delta Cycle, they went to the same fucking looking town. Like at least they dressed it up like this is a new area of waterfront yeah. stuff. And his relationship with, like, the biker gangs was weird because half the time he was fighting a biker gang, but then when he needed a deus ex machina, he'd have his biker friends show up. So, like, what biker gang is he a part of that he by himself is regularly, like, kicking the shit out of other biker gangs? It makes you want to, like, tries to get you to believe that these, like, speaking of Hunter S. Thompson, these Hells Hells Angels, Angels, uh, Harley Davidson chopper guys would love to be friends with a guy in, like, a Kawasaki, like, souped-up yeah, electronic bike with, like, a fucking high-tech yeah. bike suit. And they, they suggest that he, like, helps them with their bikes or something, but we never see yeah, that. Yeah, we never see him do like, what's he sell, yeah. like What's he selling catalytic converters by mail or something? Like, it does not look like a tough motorcycle guy at all. Or that he even knows his way around a, a wrench. And if he did have these tough biker friends who were never around except when he absolutely needs them, when he's messing with these other bikers, wouldn't his affiliation at least get them their respect? Like, call, you know, call Jack. Hmm. So this movie does have a um, a reporter, as most of these conspiracy movies go, Carl Phillips, who he plays a character named Ralph Walsh. Also smokes a lot. Also smoke. Also, like they really lean into the the disgusting reporter cliche. Yeah. Rockbot. He hates his job. He complains to his editor, like, "Can't you get me something better than this puff?" Piece? He brings up how like the president's signing all this great stuff, and I got to do a puff piece on the second lady. Yeah, and her redecorating of the naval office. The Naval Academy office? Yeah. The, yeah. He, she's she's redecorating the Naval Observatory, and they put one of their former White House correspondents on it. Because it seems like yes. he fucked up, she's right? Re- like he's drinking. She, he's, he's, yes, he's drunk, and he's like, I got to cover them redecorating the Naval Observatory yeah. office. And I and, recognize that the bar, the yeah. bar where he goes where he's bitching to his friend, that's the bar in the back room at Lancers in Burbank. No shit. Have you ever seen it's this wood paneled, it's still there. It's this wood paneled bar that's off the Lancers diner in Burbank. And the and then he where he eats at the diner is Lancers. So if you know that from living in LA, he's just bouncing from this diner to this bar in the same building. On, on Victory Boulevard. It's smart location. That's a fucking it is, great. It's kind of, yeah, it works yeah. Like, yeah. But it's also very this California. Place over here works too, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And where's this part? Like, where's this part? That's, the, part dude, that's, that's the dude, like, just phoning it in where he's like, uh, and this other, like, you got a beer. And he's like, I'm working. I'm finding locations. I know where, like, the bar is going to be. I know where the sandwich place is going to be. The the bar looks like it could be a bar in D.C. in the 70s because it's got that TGI Friday's, like, Fern Bar look to it. The The diner's clearly California. Yeah, That's another the, one. It's got the, the TGI Friday's Pizza Hut um, stained glass lamps. Yes. Yeah. They did the thing where they, they would have landscape paintings that were backlit. Yeah, beautiful. Plastic photos that were lit up like yeah. a fucking sign. It lasted into my time in Chinese restaurants mostly. Yeah. Like you'd see those still, 
but yeah, now they're a, they're a, they're a relic. They're a thing of the past. Yeah. That whole look is uh, overhead chandelier lighting that were like looked like the shittiest stained glass yeah. stuff. Isn't it funny? Someday my kid's going to be nostalgic for like just bare, sparse Apple Store yeah. white, black, and steel bullshit. He'll be like, I don't know. I just find this so comforting. Yeah. Now we got all this crap everywhere. <laughs> we're going to go back to the fucking like yeah. TGI Fridays. Yeah. 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 Panels, ferns. Uh, as busy as possible. Yeah. So she kind of does this story with this reporter. They become friends. They fall in love a little bit. She figures out this is not my husband. Yeah. And everybody's like, you're crazy. You're crazy. There's a lot of talk of they. Like, who's they? Why Why are they, like, doing something? And it's like, it's just the pressures of him being sworn in as president. And now that you're first lady, like, you're you're just, like, take a stress pill kind of shit. Yeah. And they try to put her on pills a bunch. Yeah. And she treats it like it's normal. She's like, no, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. You know? It's like, take a Vicodin. You know? It's like, no, oh, no. But... No, nothing weird this about the This is where everybody like in the, yeah, in the, 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 uh, like the Hollywood people making this were in such a bubble where they're like, and of course you, uh, you get offered pills all the time and you just say, no, thank yeah. you. Or it's just not treated as weird at all. Yeah. Like, yeah, well, that's fucking perfectly normal. <laughs> like, I'm okay. Yeah. And it's funny that, I mean, she fi- figures out her husband is a fraud, but instead of like talking to like even his distant relative mm-hmm. or even her own family, because I guess she still keeps this play date with her niece. Like she doesn't tell anybody about it, but she, but she does have a semi, like, a, like she has kind of a fast romance like, with the reporter. With this like, reporter who, do, who, do, who, against his better will, did this story about yeah. her decorating. Because she's got and no they, evidence yeah. that her husband's dead. Yeah. He's just not there. He's just, he's just, there's a new guy there. There's a new so guy like there. She's out hunting yeah. for her husband. Who's like abusive to her. Right. And that is her, like, he would never talk to me like this. Which, again, we, we were critical of him for, like, if this guy went to those extents, why did he give those tells right away? Instead, why didn't he just ignore her? I, yeah. Whatever. It's or a just get too movie. busy. Well, that's yes, what I'm yeah, too busy. Yeah. Like, yeah. I can't do. Like, that's what I mean. Where he's criticized. Yeah. Like, he's going out of his way to have hostile conversations with her that you wouldn't have if you were tr- impersonating <laughs> you yes. somebody that you don't know, who himself, we infer, was pretty gentle and kind. Yeah. So he's like, why? Like, you with your flowers, you know? And she's like, they're bringing in <laughs> bugs. And it's fucking crazy. And it's also like, Everything's beautiful. She's like clear. They like really play up her interior designing, love of decorating and flowers. And I counted how many mirrors he punches. Four. He punches a mirror four times if you count the little pocket makeup mirror that he smashes on the vanity. They really like, tr- they overdo it. It's like two on the nose where it's like, I can't look at this face anymore. Because <laughs> he like, yeah, she's like, what's wrong? He's like, nothing's wrong. And she's great. I mean, her performance is great. That's the thing I don't like. She keeps the tension. I buy it. And the amount of shock and surprise that she has every time, I guess maybe I wouldn't be that shocked after the fourth or fifth time, but she delivers in mm. every single one of those scenes. You know, what is it? Like, you know, what are you saying to me? She does eventually get to the bottom of it, like re- following him around and then following 
finding his acting headshot. Yeah, finds like his old face, and and she's like, who, and it yes. confronts him about it. Yeah. And is like, who's this? And it's the second time he's been confronted with the same <laughs> folder of photographs. So that means that he kept it. <laughs> yes. The private investigator was like, and you can keep these to look at after I'm gone. And he has them in his little locked desk with the key in it. So and they're like, trying to make a joke where he's like, it's just some handsome actor. Yeah, like where he's like fucking complimenting his old face. He's not a freak like me. And she's like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? You're the man why would I you love? like him more than you? Yeah. You're you. I mean, like, why would you like him more than you if you're you would be what I'd say to that. <laughs> she eventually, like, sees him meeting with Hagen and follows Hagen around. And that's where she goes too far. And Hagen eventually spills the beans. Of like, I work for some very powerful people. Like you should, like you should keep your nose. And then shows her video of like the plastic surgery. And this is where they put like a lot of their budget in like effects, where they hired some fucking like weirdo to um, f- like because this looked pretty good. We were both shocked at how gruesome the like surgery, the plastic. Sur- it does. It's not plastic surgery, but they they essentially like rip some salami off a dummy's face or something. Yeah. And it's shocking. I mean, it really is like it's well shot in a way. Though again, like why would they be filming the one thing that would prove that there's a conspiracy in this case? Like why would they film the mm-hmm. the actual? Yeah, it's not like we're seeing it. She's Maybe seeing to like a, blackmail a him. Of right. like we have proof that like in case he tried to fuck them with his newfound power right of, like hey we can actually like like bring it back to you yeah um and she's getting followed and she's like and and but there's no video of her dead husband we just we just accept them telling us that he's gone and yes that, at that the end of this definitive. movie if he showed up again that would have been fucking crazy yeah like I, like i always liked um one thing it does share with capricorn one that i like which does have that ending at Capricorn one. Sorry. where like somebody you think is, they, they all think is dead shows up. Yeah. But the, the, the cool thing about this and that is they tell you what the conspiracy is right off the right from the jump. Yeah. There's no mystery. And almost, it reminds me a little bit of, um, did you ever see, uh, new year's evil? Uh, it's a movie where like the, there's a killer, like slashing people on new year's Eve. And, the the weird thing about that movie is you're with the slasher right from the get go. So uh, similar to that, you wind up weirdly starting to root for it to succeed. Right, like you that's don't want. Where, yeah, that's the one where it's like people are constantly doing things in that movie, like it was just midnight. But if you think about the timeline of the movie, how many people he's killing, there'd be people like going up to kiss or like starting to make out for the first time at like. Two or three in the morning, as if it was just the stroke of midnight. Yes, it's like yeah, it, it, it's got problems. It's also like all at the Holiday Inn in Burbank, right. and they act like that's the fucking like Times Square. Right. It's a club. I mean, that's a trope of the times, right? Shooting the Valley, like yeah. it's an east, a major East Coast city yeah. with really recognizable it's the coolest landmarks. Fucking place in yeah. the world. Yeah. This plays up the black trope, the black chopper trope. I was never, I never got the black chopper thing. Maybe you can help me out. Like, to me, is it because you can't see a black chopper and they're they're mysterious and they have no labels on them? Well, I is- think in this movie, in this movie, it was pretty underwhelming because they were like little Robinsons, like in the Batman TV series. Yeah. So, like, 
I don't know what's so scary about like a little one person helicopter with a almost like a stick control. Um, and those things are death traps anyway, but uh, they're not the worst. But you know, they're not military level. I think the black the black helicopter conspiracy trope is that it's like the unnamed military ish agency that has like stealth helicopters that fly at night with no labels and no no uh, registration number, no flag on them, that kind of thing right. that take you to the you know the air force base the, the 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 secret cia air force base that kind of thing cuz i was i was always like are, do people think like you can't see them or something like like was that the fear cuz i fucking can't see helicopters all the time i can hear them like crazy yeah i think that's part of the idea it's like yeah any dark helicopter you're not really going to be you're able not to see, see it, it. I, yeah it's how, yeah, seeing a helicopter coming is not how you know a helicopter is no. coming, typically. It's the last thing. Yeah. It's like I look all over the flight, but where yeah. the fuck is this thing? They're really bad at killing the reporter who's asking questions. This reminded me of Parallax View because they have no problem cutting the brakes on yeah. the one guy. But yeah, they're, they're, it's like, yeah, it's, oh, a shot hits near you, a, you know, an explosion. You mm. hear that, there, you know, a bomb goes off at the diner or something. It's like, well... You know, it seems like a pretty slapdash operation yeah. if you're a secret government agency that's like ends up just terrorizing civilians, I guess. Yeah. You can't get they the, cut the brakes of um like the vice president's like aide. Yeah. So that works great. Yeah. Right. Because he's like asking too many questions and he's Did like, you think that there was an implied affair there that the, yes. the vice president had been having an affair with this aide? Because it was like kind of of that time that they'd say it without saying it. Yeah. You know? Where it's and then like, that's why yeah, it's like. It's like a, a male aide, and so yep. like they're implying there's like they, they were maybe having some affair with the the real vice president, right. and then he'd have to go, and then that's also why the wife was suspicious, or yeah. at least it's that's like why the, there'd been this distance in the marriage. We understand why they're starting in a rough place, right? And that that is uh, they they bring that up a little bit more in the book. Oh, really? Oh, it is in yeah. the book because I had no idea. I just got it a little from the movie. They are a little bit. It's still tongue and cheeky a little bit, but it's it's easier to spot. And I mean that is part of it too. I mean the way he like totally gives up on controlling the car as it goes into the bus and covers his face and kind of screams like that. Like, no offense, but like, I don't know. Like at the time, at least, I think they were kind of. That's when I was like, yeah. wait. I mean, because it's a. I don't, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to impersonate it. But it is a little. It is a little. You Can know. we tell? Like when she brings, when Hagen brings her to like show her the video and stuff. They do this lazy thing where they put like the shittiest computer just on, on like in the hallway. Yeah. And he like it's like a speaking spell and that is enough to make you think that it's like this high tech chamber and shit. Yeah, it could have like it is literally the equivalent of like a high school AV cart and they could have had it be just a television and like a Betamax or uh like early era VCR, but they were like, "Oh no, this is fancy government stuff." So it's a computer i guess with a crt inside even though at the time what would it have been a commodore 64 probably yeah the the reporter ralph um he played the titular pervert in the uh late 70s movie pervert oh yeah where the he he's a villain like he's kind of a like a, a nice kind of slimy but but you you like them you buy that maybe yeah okay they could they're like opposites attract type thing with, yeah with her and uh the the second lady but he in that he's like fully the villain um he's 
like a peeper in this small town and right. everybody's on the lookout And what turned him, him to it was just print erotica, right? Like mm-hmm. it's that that's what we get. It's not like he's going to it's not like he even got extreme with what was actually available in red light districts at the yeah. time. It was all just it was all just like Dutch print erotica. Yeah. Yeah. Which obviously they don't show, but they show like a corner of it or something. It's like, is this dr- is it drawings? Like Yeah. It's like print erotica and he's it reminded me of like Mexican comic books or something. Like, yeah. it was like what is this? This is what drove him insane? I think they just, yeah, they, because even with Taxi Driver, you imagine what he's watched is he, taken. It's like hardcore yeah. porn. Yeah. Yeah. This, yeah. this is like, all by this mail. is just drawings of like, they're, they're like the, the funnies in a Playboy comic. Right. Right, and it's like pin up, and he's getting up. off to that, and like super ashamed, and has like a full breakdown. I don't know if it's because he's like he's like looking at it in public, and I think that makes him a pervert. Like that makes him feel yeah. like he's a pervert. But in in practice, what he's looking at could be like in the cockpit of a World War II plane, except just like there, the nipple would be implied. And Hung it, up on in, yeah. in a and it's in all a about the belt garage. Too. It's just all yeah, boots. like like nothing. Like your mom wouldn't be like, "Don't look at that." Right? It would be like people would roll their eyes at it. Right. And then they keep identifying it as Dutch, I guess, which is part of it that he's like he's always getting shipments of Dutch. I, I it I don't know. Yeah, but he ends up like going on a fucking rampage through this town. A lot of people lose their lives over him not being able to integrate whatever that was. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, pervert, not, not easy to find, but the, uh, great poster. Well, I I mean the keyhole, I mean, yeah, the, his eye in the keyhole and then the way they split the frame with him on the other side of it. And then, and then her sort of sensing that there's somebody there. And I mean, it's suggestive, but yeah, it's cool. It's classic. I I guess let's talk about the ending. Obviously I spoil a lot of things on this podcast. People know who listen, whatever this movie is fucking over 40 years old it's like uh, it's and it's hard to find so like if you fucking didn't listen to this episode because you were dying to find the second lady too bad (laughs) yeah um basically she gets put away and they're like like you're everything's gonna be okay and 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 like we said before it's like you can't kill me i like I, um, you know, people know who I am. They, and she's like, they j- just ran a piece on me. And they quote the, the, uh, reporter, um, Walsh's puff piece on her mm-hmm. about the decorating of the, the Naval Observatory and the, um, and they commit her and, and they're, they're like, got her all pilled up and she's in this room and they're trying to gaslight her and make her yeah. feel crazy. And Though you they, don't, you don't know if the doctor knows or not. Cause the doctor that she's talking to treats her like she's an insane person mm. like he's not really a representative a direct representative of the of the conspiracy yes and he's just kind of humoring her and he's like tell me once again you think you're the first lady um because now she's the first lady yeah um and and it's like okay let's start she's like i've told you enough a little bit of sarah connor like there's a little yeah. like t2 in there um and then and then he's like do you mean this first lady and sure enough like They've done the plastic surgery body yeah. switch on somebody else. So now they got a fake president and a fake first lady. Controlled by who? We don't know, but there it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't know who the ultimate puppet master is. Yeah. And then she punches a mirror. Yeah. Which is like, I guess, 70s insane. Maybe they still yeah. got him in there. They got him in there. Yeah. They wouldn't, it wouldn't be around. But I think it's more of an artistic choice by, yeah. you know, give it up to Pellier. I mean, it's hard to shoot a mirror. Straight on like that, you gotta. You imagine the camera's just out of, just a little to the left. That's got to be one of the first hurdles. By the way, the guy who shot this, 
too dark. Oh yeah, there, the whole thing. I wasn't sure if that was the print transfer or what. I, I know. I what mean, is this it? is a piece, of, but I don't think it's. I don't think it's the print quality because it's too rich. Right. It's, it's not like it doesn't have the um, the degradation that because like a bunch of these videos, um, they get that purple look. And, yeah, and yeah. I have them. I mean, yeah. we would have been, been able to spot it. Yeah. But this is like the blacks are too black. They yeah. look too. They the the, the actual color looks pretty good but he's trying his hardest to do like the gordon willis prince of darkness right like they're i think they're trying to cover up how low budget this is right by shooting it as dark as they possibly can yeah but there were a lot of sequences where you and i were like who is that yeah and you think it's a stylistic choice and then it turns out like no you just you just can't see the guy's face you can't see you can't see tell who like I was like, wait, is that the second lady or is that the president? Like, I couldn't tell, like, uh, full-on body types. Like, the whole screen is dark. I mean, yeah, in the Hall of Mirrors, you couldn't tell. Like, it just seemed like she was just in a, in a room with, like, cracks in the ceiling or something. That's why I, I was like, the the voice of uh, the the Delta Cycle guy was dry. I was like, wait, I know, because I couldn't see it. Yeah. One thing I did like about the ending is they do a press conference and Ralph Walsh, our reporter, who's been risking his life trying to get to the truth of things, he's the press secretary. So it implies he sold out. Yeah. And now, because so many of these movies are like, well, the press will like fix everything. The yeah. pre- like, like we're, and now sadly, like the press is dying. We're tracking him the whole time thinking that he's going to bring a big story back to his boss or like, redeem himself or get some kind of comeuppance or anything but then yeah it just turns out that after all this all after um after all the shoe leather he's spent on this story he just ends up taking a political patronage job uh, you know talking about you know talking about the oil crisis getting resolved talking about bringing oil prices down at the end which is like at what point in the story did he care about oil prices there's like a lot of work to, to, to that goes into these conspiracies where the the payoff doesn't seem to be worth it. Don't you think that his boss at the newspaper or the woman at the newspaper that he would always talk to at the bar <laughs> would go to him as the press as the press secretary and be like, "Hey, what the fuck, Walsh? Yeah. Like you were telling us that you were chasing the biggest sto- the story of a lifetime that you were chasing like the story that was going to turn Washington on its head." Yeah, right. We and I helped you-, you back to your house. And you, did, I helped you. I helped you back to your house, even though you wouldn't stop making passes at me. We forward you pay. <laughs> Clearly, something happened. Yeah. You were you were washed out at the paper, and now they gave you this. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're like if any we, of those reporters at that newspaper must have known he was yeah, fucking dirty. Yeah. yeah, we gave you. Yeah, we gave we advanced your pay on this giant feature that you were writing about the first lady, and you just fuck off to be press secretary. The, With a new haircut, like you just literally just shave and a haircut and a new suit, and you're just a different guy. Uh, well, thanks, Neil. No, oh, thank you. This is a blast. And that's this week's show. Thanks so much to Neil Casey. If you're in LA and want to see Neil live, check out the last improv show. It's him and a bunch of other talented people. And if you liked this show, please tell your friends about it. If it doesn't come back next week, well, that means they finally got me and I'm in big trouble and you should be concerned. 
see you on the road.